Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Cyber Matters, powered by the Kasuf Podcast Network. I'm your host, uh, Russ Dorsey. I'm a principal and CIO at Kasuf & Company here in Birmingham. And with this podcast, we talk about uh, the cyber that matters to us and our clients uh, and their families, businesses. Um, it's may- maybe less technical uh, and more about how this technology benefits us and how we can make the most out of it and how businesses are using it, but also very much how we have to protect ourselves uh, in, in this modern world with everything's fast changing as it is. Um, I'm very excited today to have uh, a guest, uh, Lynn Shobe. I'm going to bring you, bring you on camera here. Oh. Uh, Lynn is uh, currently uh, with the Jefferson State Police. Jefferson State Community College. Police. Jefferson State Community College Police. Today we're going to be talking about financial fraud and scams specifically more the uh, email and phone and in-person type. And we'd say, well, why is that on a cyber show? Well, a, it needs to be done because this is still a huge problem. It's a huge problem affecting our families and, and our, our parents and aunts and uncles. Um, but also this, there's a cyber component behind this because before they to find the victim, they're still doing all of that calling on the back end of social media and all of this data mining to find these, the, you know, the, these, uh, the, these, these targets. Um, so that's that's kind of how we're getting it into our scope today of, of, of talking. But I, th- I think this is going to be a really nice uh, departure into something or an important departure into into, into something uh, that we all uh, n- need to be aware of. And that is one of the comments we made about, you know, if we're saying things over and over and over again, it's because the problem hasn't gone away. That's right. I mean, that's, it continues to be a multi-billion dollar a year problem. But, but you're... Uh, career into financial uh, fraud investigation. I'm, I've got it written down over here so I'll get it right. But you're a certified fraud examiner and also certified financial crime investigator. Um, and I, I just, uh, to quickly go through your career, starting about the time I, I know you were in the Army. Right. Actually, right. it started before that. Um, <clears throat> last month, I hit my 49th anniversary in uh, public law enforcement. Okay. I did eight years in local law enforcement in Tennessee and then five and a half uh, in the Army. Um, at the end of that time frame, I was teaching at the Army Military Police School and was the chief of the economic and computer crime branch uh, at the MP school when I met some people from the Treasury Department. And uh, one day they called and said they want to recruit me away from the Army. And so in 1987, I left active duty and went to work for the Treasury Department uh, initially for what was known as the IRS Inspection Service. And then in 1999, Congress moved that to uh, Main Treasury under the new name Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, and that's where I was until I retired from there in 2008, and then went to work for the state and retired uh, as a senior special agent from the State Bureau of Investigation in 2019 when I joined the college system. You you, you keep using this word retired as if you've not as if you're not working anymore. But uh, no, I'm I'm blessed to be able to, to I'm drawing three retirements and. Uh, uh, just doing this because I want to. That's that is a great place to be. But 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 working with the college system where you are now, you you were just you were telling me that you're doing like special projects. You get that's farmed right. out. Like for, for instance, you're at Marion Military Institute. You're helping stand up the. That's right. One of my responsibilities to help stand up. Uh, over the last two years, we've uh, stood up eight new police departments in the two-year college system, yeah. and so uh, this is the third time I've been farmed out to be the interim chief of police at a different college. Uh, while we're getting the infrastructure in place, yeah, that's the, that's 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 paying it forward, and I, I can't thank you enough uh, for for your service in in all these public sectors. Uh, it's, it's very humbling to be here because I'm just a pedestrian civilian who's worked in the private sector, but to have that much impact, and thank you for that. But along the way, you you got really deep into financial 
of crime investigation, but also the fraud aspect. Um, you were telling me there's about a, a 15, 20 year stint there where you're really focused on that um, and that you continue to stay involved in that. And I've, I've heard you speak through through InfraGuard, which is I think where we met. Um, and uh, you were on a couple of our financial fraud, um, the, the, the things the things we did through COVID to survive where we're doing all this this uh, this broadcasting. But the what I liked about yours was you were uh, in one of them, uh, you, you, you really got into the psychology of, of the, 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 the criminal mind, but also how you get into investigating and, um, you know, talking to people through that investigatory process when you're, I guess, in, is interrogating the right word or just, uh, you know? Oh, yeah. If you're, uh, you know, if you're talking to the bad guy, um, one of the things that I, uh, just because of the nature of the work and where the bad guys were located, which was in my situation, rarely in Alabama, my focus was mostly on the victim end, and so had a lot of opportunity to work with victims of uh, uh, financial fraud, and um, uh, learned a lot more about the uh, victimology um, side of the house as opposed to working with the, the bad guys. Most of the time, the bad guys were somewhere else, and I was feeding information about the particular victim back to uh, the case agents in another jurisdiction. Yeah, uh, the other aspect of that, and one of the, in, I think the next year you came back was then you were talking specifically about uh, the elder fraud aspect of this, the phone and the, 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 the postal mail scams. I mean, good old snail mail, still very effective. Um, so we're going to today talk in I hope of both areas. Um, and, but, but, but in this first segment, um, you know, I, I think if, if we look around what's common about scams, and again, I'm, I'm uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, on the onset, I'm blessed uh, still that my, my parents are both very sharp. I talk to them about, uh, I talk about this to them as often as I can, and they, they they pretty much shut me down. That they're watching the shows, they know about the stuff about the time I get it out of my mouth, and my mom is uh, and, and is very very skeptical. Of course, she's blaming my father for being the one that's going to get on the computer, but I'm still blessed to have you know pretty good conversations uh, with them. Um, but anybody f can fall victim to this. There's several kinds of scams. You know, there's 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 the uh, you know well, I want us to get into the there's the short term you know where they're casting the wide net. But then there are the ones where they really get their teeth into somebody and go for what I call the long con. I think pig butchering and these other terms are you know what's being used for that. But but what do you find you know if if, if we're getting this out to people, what do you find to be the common uh, you know or most effective scams, you know, I know there's going to be some general questions, but what, what do you see is the most common threat right now, and what are you seeing? Well, the one thing I want to remind everybody of is that uh, a couple of my uh, phrases I use over and over is never say never, and that what is old is new again, uh, because we, you know, back in the day, probably all the scams were face-to-face, -face. and, you know, if you and then with the advent of uh, the telephone they, or the mail, uh, then people began to cheat people through the mail. And then with the advent of the telephone, with the different technology, with the advent of uh, computers and the Internet. So if you get in the mindset that I will never be scammed in person because all scams are now on the Internet, well, that's not the way that works either. Or that uh, scams no longer occur on the telephone. So every time you think you're dealing with a different level, then uh, always remember that they're going to double back and, and use the more common things. So there are going to be some face-to-face -face things. Uh, one of the, uh, the biggest uh, indicators 
of a scam is uh, there's going to be an overwhelming sense of urgency. You, whatever it is that they want done, it must be done right now. Uh, if it's um, an investment opportunity, it must be done right now. If you're about to win a sweepstakes or a lottery, it must be done right now. If you want to avoid going to jail or uh, running afoul of a, um, some sort of a criminal investigation, uh, it must be done right now. You've got to go right now and get the money and, and transmit it in whatever fashion that they, they say. And, and even that uh, goes back to the, you know, whatever is new. Uh, you know, sometimes they would ask for currency, sometimes for cashier's checks. Uh, sometimes now the, uh, very common that they will uh, have the individual to go to where we would call an ATM for cryptocurrency uh, and buy the cryptocurrency and then of course the other individual has all the information. The bad guy has the information as to uh, how to get the proceeds. Uh, so um, how the money is, is transferred uh, is going to go back and forth uh, in terms of old ways, new ways, and whatever, but uh, there's always going to be that overwhelming sense of urgency. Whatever it is, it's got to be done right now. If it's about an opportunity, uh, another uh, big indicator is going to be that it uh, sounds too good to be true. So anything that sounds too good to be true probably is. Yeah. So those are going to be two very, uh, very big indicators. And and, if, and and when you talk about in person, I mean, there's still uh, caregivers, um, people that might have uh, power of attorney for whatever reason. I know there's people that uh, manage uh, the, what the court-appointed uh, caregivers that are managing people while they're in uh, uh, retirement homes or what, whatever. There's the, what's the term I'm looking for for that? Conservators. Conservators, thank you. Um, so it's, it, however the connection happens, be it technology, the phone, the mail, or this in-person need to be, to have this person in, a, in my life or in my parents' life or, or whatever, then you've got this Everything else, like you said, just becomes the old, same old tricks. They're just finding, yeah, they're, they're just finding a, a new way to deliver them. The the things you see again, you know, in, in, in the cyber world, we look at, again, what we call the wide net, the phishing attacks, versus the spear phishing. So you've got the, you know, and and, and I think about, um, you know, the, uh, I, I think coming out of India, the 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 warranty scams where they're just calling up to say, hey, we're we're here to renew your uh, your Maytag warranty on your washer and they're hoping to make a quick $200 and move on. Um, do you see, you know, do you, do you see more of that or do you see, I, I guess with what you're doing, you've really, you get involved, I guess, when there's already been a criminal complaint, maybe somebody calls you in to consult. So you're seeing the ones that have turned into $50,000, $100,000 losses where they've really gotten into somebody's savings. So you see more of that. I, I have seen um, a lot of that. Uh, as a matter of fact, so much so that um, I've sat in the homes of uh, victims where something was reported to us that fell within the purview of my agency, uh, only to find that the victim that I'm talking to has been victimized over and over and over and over with variations of other scams that would have not fallen in our purview. I'm just now getting there. I'm just now finding out about that. But they've lost tens of thousands of dollars over a period of time. And um, the, the, it has gotten so bad. Uh, that on multiple occasions while I'm sitting in the home of the victim trying to conduct an interview, the bad guys are calling while I'm sitting there um, interrupting my ability to conduct an interview because they're, they're being scammed over and over and over. And, and one gentleman in particular um, called us up one day and um, 
that it was the first time they'd ever mentioned anything about the IRS uh, as part of the scheme, and he thought that odd, so he called the actual IRS. They call me. I go out and I'm sitting talking with the man, and uh, it turns out that uh, the call that he got that he called us about was the third he had gotten that day alone, and after he called us, he got two more, and he sent money to the other two. <laughs> and by the time I could get there uh, on the same day, um, I mean, that was at least five different fraud schemes that he was being attacked by on just in one day. And this had been going on for months, and he'd lost some untold amount of money. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's, as far as, our, our over 55, which, you know, we, we both are. I remember when I started getting the ARP cards a few years back. That was a good feeling. Um, you know, that puts us also on list because those are readily available list. And also the other thing, I, I don't have the numbers, but our, 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 our retired population holds the most wealth, obviously, because of where they're at in life. I mean, so we're talking about individuals that even if they've had a pretty humble life, they worked at maybe a factory or maybe worked in the middle of they still had hundreds of thousand dollars in the bank, you know, because they've been able to save up over time and this is their retirement. Um, that's more money than a lot of small businesses have in their bank accounts week oh, to week, you know. Uh, so, it, uh, but, but what is this, I mean, what is the psychology behind, I guess we talk about the, the criminals, we know what motivates them and that they're, you know, obviously adept at this, but when we think about our parents, um, you know, this is a smart generation. I, I said before, this is a generation that Won a couple of world war. They, they won a couple of uh, at least one world war. Uh, you know, got got to the moon on slide rules. You know, uh, these, these are not you know people that you would think would just at this point in their life. But is it is it the trust factor? Is it just? I mean, I, I know there's diminished capacity comes to play. It does. Uh, but I think the trust factor. I mean, because they will answer. I mean, that's, they'll answer the phone. I, I refuse to answer the phone at home. My wife, my wife is to that point now. She's got to know who's calling. Even if it's to tell the guy off, you know, she, she'll engage just to tell the guy to go pound sand and feel some gratification. I'm like, you shouldn't have even given him that moment with you. Yeah. You know? Actually, if you answer the phone at all, it's probably an indicator that that's actually a working telephone and somebody might answer. Um, and in some of the schemes, um, no matter, it's going to start as one thing. And then if they feel confident uh, that they've got you on the hook, then they're going to continue. And for a long time there, I could pretty much write the script that is what's going to happen. The first set of calls are going to sound like this, and then it's, oh, well, something else has come up, and now you need to send more money. And once you do that, well, something else has come up, you got to send more money. And then ultimately, uh, it would uh, switch off, and really the same set of bad guys, but not known to you that it's the same set of bad guys, are now going to call in what we call the recovery room schemes, and they're going to claim to be some sort of uh, law enforcement entity or government agencies that's investigating okay. the fact kidding. that you have been scammed and that uh, sometimes they'll even tell you that we, we can see here that uh, you sent money to so-and-so and they'll know the dollar amounts and so that will bolster the confidence of the victim because yeah, this person knows so surely uh, they are a real law enforcement entity. Um, I've had them call say they were from the uh, Nevada State Attorney General's office and they'd executed a search warrant on a telemarketing uh, operation there and they could see the, about the, where he had sent money and they have recovered his the supposed winnings and that they were going to get those out to him but then immediately would turn back into so all you need to do now is send this amount of money to us and it was always about more money 
more money, more money. Even though they claim to be somebody completely different investigating the bad guys, uh, I've had them claim to be attorneys that were filing class action lawsuits against a corrupt telemarketing organization, um, and they were going to get you three times your money back, but you had to send legal fees. Um, and then when we talk about the, the victims, on the front end, like a little bit of diminished capacity, uh, I, I had a coworker one time and that would sometimes talk about what people were saying. And so I would uh, I'd say, well, did you have confidence in what they said? She did, well, yes. So where do you think the word con man came from? That's, that's exactly what it is. So if they got a good enough spiel and you have confidence in what they're telling you and then they get you talked into to doing it for whatever reason, and sometimes it's going to be about winnings, sometimes it's to avoid negative consequences, whatever it is. If they can talk a good game, get you started, then they're going to continue doing that. Um, if you're victimized, yeah, there's kind of a, uh, we talked about the victimology thing for a moment. We, um, first of all, you're going to be in denial. You don't really want to admit that you've just been taken. and then it kind of turned into other things and you're going to hide the fact probably from other uh, family members. Uh, uh, a lot of older uh, citizens are concerned about losing their independence. They want their kids involved in their business and so they'll kind of hide the fact that that's happened. Um, and then I've seen it turn into uh, almost like a gambling addiction. They've lost money regularly to multiple schemes and the next one will call, and their mentality is, I've only got to hit once, and then I'll stop. I can't tell you the number of victims I work with where that's the point that they've gotten to. If I just, I'll recoup all the money I've lost across the board with one of these, and then I'll stop. And that's never going to happen. I've also had them get uh, <clears throat> to the point where the same gentleman uh, that I was telling you about that... Uh, we had five schemes on the same day, and he'd been cheated out of a lot of money over a period of several months. Um, after we would work with him, it actually even had you know wired up. He would participate in the investigations. We we recorded telephone conversations from his home uh, with the bad guys, so he was heavily involved in the investigative process. And then he would call us up on the phone. Hey, I just got a telephone call from an attorney in San Francisco. He's uh, going to file this class action lawsuit against these corrupt telemarketers. going to give me three times my money back. But he said, i got to send him $500 in legal fees. And then he would say, I'm giving you one hour to prove it's a scam or I'm sending the money. I mean, almost angry at us. I mean, they're, they're that, they're, that's how I've seen them go from being taken, being in denial, then getting desperate enough that they will continue doing that to only have to hit once, to actually being almost angry at the investigators. Yeah, and, there's and, there's, and, there's an, indi an indignation over what's happened yeah, to them right. and that they're now, yeah, and I, I think that's something we all uh, can get to those, can get to that stage where now I'm, now I'm aware of so, but then you're just susceptible to the next. We, the victims ourselves, because we're not being aware of things, which is the, the nature of, of, of life or somebody we care about. So. Uh, I'm going to assume that, you know, I'm smart enough to maybe protect myself. So what do I need to be looking for for the people that I care about to be able to tell them? Um, or what would you tell me? Say, Rush, you're not, you're not that smart. What do you... Yeah, you one know, of, I, I said, starting off first, we're talking about how the individuals can kind of uh, protect themselves. 
Um, one of the, uh, it doesn't really matter if, if it's in-person contact because this may be like businesses, uh, like home repair scams, things like that, people will approach you. Uh, or it could be like an impersonation from the bank, we call it the bank examiner scam, or uh, pigeon drops where somebody approach you in the parking lot and say, hey, we found this money and we're gonna be able to share in this money uh, but then in order to, for good faith, they'll say, okay, you need to put up money in the meantime. Uh, the other two people in this thing are part of the scheme, and you're, you're just the person that might get duped into doing that. And to show you how that can work, I had a, a good friend that was a police officer that was taken for $11,000 in one of those uh, where he went to the bank and got money out thinking that he was going to be able to partake in, in this other found money type situation and through sleight of hand. Uh, whatever they gave him back was nothing more than newspaper clippings. So, um, so, 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 so as, a, as a rule there, I think it's pretty safe to say there's nothing that's going to come to you out of the universe that you should put money into expecting a return out of. Now, if you go find an opportunity and you and, and you find it that way, you still got to be careful. But So depending on how, yeah. again, the, the uh, if, if it's an in-person thing, um, I caution people not to do business with anybody where they didn't initiate the contact. Somebody comes up to your house and says, hey, we want to seal your driveway, and you didn't call them. Uh, I'd be very skeptical about that and want to not do business with those people. Uh, they want to, they just show up and want to fix your roof or, or clean your chimney or uh, those kind of things. A lot of scams involved there where they want the money up front and not do the work or uh, some standard work. Or even if it's on the telephone uh, and it's some sort of an opportunity, uh, be very skeptical about anything you did not initiate. Don't give them any of your identifying information. And one of the things that they're real big on now uh, is they will automatically ask for a secondary uh, method of uh, contact, such as just, they called your house, they now want your cell phone number. And then anytime somebody asks you to go to a financial institution to withdraw money for any reason and want you to stay on the line with them uh, the whole time, You've got an open line on the cell phone from the time you leave home to the time you go to the bank. They want the phone laid on the counter while you're talking to the teller. You get the money and all the way back home. Um, a huge red flag. Um, and so don't give them your secondary contact information and certainly don't go anywhere uh, when somebody is asking you to uh, keep them uh, on the, an open line on the telephone. That can't be good. Yeah, that that, that falls back to that sense of urgency where it's got to be done right yeah, it's now. It's got to be done which, now. Which we already mentioned is a big red flag. Yeah. And they don't want to, uh, uh, that way they can tell that you're actually doing it. Um, I know back uh, some of the cases that I'd work, uh, they would insist that you call uh, FedEx and have FedEx come by the house and pick up the, the money that you're supposed to send them and then the way they would follow up on with you is they want you to give them the FedEx tracking numbers uh, so they would know for a fact that you had done what it is that they were wanting to yeah. do. Um, so, and it would be true if it, if it was, uh, uh, they want the overwhelming sense of urgency and don't deal with anybody that you didn't initiate the contact. Yeah. So, so we can't just turn off our phones. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say just turn off your phones and don't answer the door. Uh, and life will be good, but they're but they're going to find a way to get to to get to you one way or the other. They will, uh, even if you um, think you're uh, savvy enough and you have a caller ID and you look at the caller ID and it looks like a uh, a residence uh, local number uh, and you answer it and it's it, even if it's a legitimate company and I won't call company names but companies I do business with 
I get a call from like somebody's house in the same town that I live in, and when they answer it, it's a sales pitch from a company I do business with, and I'm going to have to assume for a moment that it was legitimately that company, but why is it showing up on my caller ID the way it does? Um, the other thing is caller ID spoofing is so prevalent that they can actually make it show up if, if they want to say that there's a warrant for your arrest for missing jury duty and you have to pay money now because of that because otherwise you're going to be arrested, uh, which is a very common thing right now. It may actually show up on your caller ID that the call's coming from the sheriff's office by phone number and uh, by name right on, on, right on your caller ID or from a government agency. Yeah. They'll have the name of that government agency on it. So if you're savvy enough to think you're screening those, um, when I talk about impersonation investigations to law enforcement groups and when I teach in the police academy, the one thing I tell them is no particularly law enforcement officer is going to get the terminology wrong about his or her own agency. Uh, everybody else might. News media is notorious for butchering the names of a government agency, but that individual will not. So like a few months ago, I get a phone call on my own personal cell phone and the person with the foreign accent starts the conversation. I'm from the Department of the Social Security Administration. So it doesn't matter what he says after that. Yeah. There is no such thing as a Department of the Social Security Administration. It's just plain old Social Security Administration. And at that moment, that, that's an indicator to you know hang up. You, they can't, and he can't even get the terminology right. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's uh, always a good tip we, we, we give our clients. Um, the IRS is gonna send you a registered letter or if you've gone far enough along with them and you're already in the process and they're just going to come to your door. Social Security is going to send you by mail. Um, you know, they're, they're, I, don't, I don't know of any legitimate contact that happens by phone. Uh, the police will call if, and we have had phone calls before, the FBI will call you if there's an ongoing situation and they're calling to alert you about something, but they're never going to ask for you know, anything in return. They're not going to ask you to go. That's right. Yeah, if, if it's a criminal uh, I mean, just for it for it to be admissible, they can't call you on the phone and say, "Hey, we got this criminal complaint on you. You got to go get money right now." Right. They're that, not going to do that's that. That's just not how they're going to engage uh, a warrant, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for a, a small crime, a police department might call you up and say, "I just want to let you know there is a, a, a warrant has been issued. Something you may want to take care of." But there will never be a day that they're going to call and say, "We're on our way to your house to execute a warrant," and the only way you can avoid that. No law enforcement agency is going to be in 49 years. I've never heard of such a thing. That that just does not happen. So, uh, but people will will be scared that that's going to happen. Now, occasionally, you know, they'll call the house of uh, someone that's in law enforcement that wants to play along with them, and they'll say, "Come on," you know. But that's obviously there, there's nobody coming. Uh, but they'll want you to go out and uh, buy Green Dot cards, or iTunes cards, or uh, something like that, just to uh, to satisfy the thing, uh, right? And then, and, and, and then I think you know, the other thing would be to involve, if, if you're you know, concerned about it, and, and I, I do want to talk about how to engage law enforcement in the next segment, but relying on family is, is important uh, just to say, hey, I've got this going on. And, and this kind of comes around to something that is happening right now that we've heard about is, is the, uh, uh, the it's, they're calling it the um, uh, kidnapping scams, but it's also, hey, Grandma, I'm stranded in Florida yes. at spring break scam. That's right. Which they're using mm -hmm. AI now to generate voices uh, with some yes. success. Yeah. Uh, yes. And the families have got to, you almost have to prepare for that and go, 
uh, you know, mom or dad or uh, my kids, you know, we're going to have a safe word or we're going to have a process for if you ever are in trouble. And I've had this conversation with my kids. If you ever are in trouble, here's the thing we're going to agree in advance that we're going to do uh, about getting you to a safe place and just have that conversation so that somebody isn't. Because even if, you know, uh, and, and uh, I think uh, Darren Mott, when he was on here, was talking about that actually happened to his his mother and she called him and he said, no, the son's right here. Exactly. But had, had he not answered the phone and she had not been able to get that confirmation in the moment, she might have fallen prey to that. So we have to have some conversations because as technology gets more insidiously used. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then the, the thing about the voice generation, that, that is a really scary thing. Because um, uh, not long ago, my mother called me, uh, called and talked to my wife. And, of course, you know, she's been scam before we'll, we've talked about that in the past but uh, she actually got a call that purported to be from my son and uh, fortunately uh, he did not know how my mother was referred to it's like if so hey grandma this that or the other well that's not the way you know she knew that she was Mima. yeah okay so she was able to pick up on the fact that they didn't quite have that part down uh, but uh, these family member in distress like grandparent scams that's that's a very real thing and people will send money um, but because the caller will be like uh, hey grandma and grandma says is that you Timmy well he didn't know to be Timmy yet but now he does he said yes and then he says okay whatever you do don't tell my don't tell mom and dad but here's what's going on I've been involved in an accident or I'm in a jail in Mexico or whatever the case may be and Unfortunately, too many people send money and those kind of things. Yeah, they do. They, they do. And I think the other thing is even the, uh, we talked about the authority scams, but imagine you get a phone call from a local politician or it's Nick Saban or it's somebody like that on the phone. I mean, I, I think this next election cycle, you're going to see more use of AI uh, to generate those kinds of things. But uh, if there's a you know known voice in your area or somebody that's, uh, you know, and people will fall prey to that. We're going to... Um, take kind of break here and reset uh, and come back for our second segment um, so uh, let me get myself up here not that people want to see me but it makes more sense um, but uh, we, we want to thank you for this part of the segment Lynn um, and, and and your time uh, we'll be posting this and then and then follow up in a week or so with part two so if you're listening now I want you to come back for part two of this where we're going to talk a little bit more about these the, the different types of fraud and maybe some more I think get a little bit deeper into some case studies uh, but also what to look for with your family uh, and also uh, what to do to engage law enforcement is what we'll get in the next segment. So for, for today, I'm uh, Russ Dorsey, again, your host of uh, Cyber Matters, po- uh, powered by the uh, Kazoo Podcast Network, and we'll be back soon with part two.